This morning we'll be in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Before we start this morning, before I read this passage, I just want to let you know that I'm not mad at you today. James might be upset with you, but me, I'm just telling you what James said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So today's passage, I hope, will be a challenge to us, that we will be convicted by the words of James, and that it will lead us to examination in a better and more faithful walk with Christ. So I'll begin reading here in James chapter 2, verses, verse 14, and go to 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed. But you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. There is a condition known as hypochondriasis. You may know this because someone who has it is called a hypochondriac. And these unfortunate people believe themselves to be afflicted with some dreaded disease and they're constantly worried that something is terribly wrong with them, with their body. One of the problems with being a hypochondriac is that they will go to the doctor because they believe they have this terrible terminal illness and a series of tests will be performed which all come back negative and they're given a clean bill of health. Instead of rejoicing that they are not dying of a dread disease, they rather doubt that their doctor is competent and they believe that all the tests are wrong. And so they will continue to seek treatment for ailments which they do not have and it is almost impossible to convince them otherwise. In the same way, some people are convinced that they are Christians. They go to church. They hang around church people. They are members of churches. They came down to the front and they prayed at the altar. They prayed with their pastor. They said a sinner's prayer. They believe themselves because of these things. They believe themselves, therefore, to be Christians. However, the works that faith produces are absent in their lives. And such people are very difficult to persuade that they are, in fact, actually lost. 
And so what James is doing for us today is allowing us to do a spiritual checkup to see if the kind of faith that we have is one that is able to save us. Because if the faith that we have is not able to produce the works of righteousness, our faith is faulty. And we are building on shaky ground. One of the things that saving faith cannot be is saving faith cannot be all talk. It is a lot of fun and there's a lot of good in learning theology, in learning to speak the speech of Christianity, to talk about God being triune, to talk about Jesus being both God and man at the same time. All of these things people can grasp in their minds. People who are not even believers can grasp these things in their mind. But if all it is is talk about God and what Christians should do, and yet you yourself are unmoved and unaffected by these things, then the sort of belief that you have cannot save you because it is all talk. So the challenge for me and for you today is to examine what you believe and see if what you say you believe actually moves you to do what you say you believe. Do you believe that it is important to fellowship with other believers do you believe that? I didn't say, do you believe it is important to come to church? Because it must it's fairly obvious to me that you think it is important to come to church. But I'm talking about something more than showing up for church. Because you believe that, you're here. Do you believe that the fellowship of the saints is important? When the Hebrews 10.25 says for us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, especially as we see the end draw near. Do you feel that that is something that you need or you believe it's something you need even if you don't feel that you need it and how much fellowship with the saints do you need is once a sunday enough an hour on sunday what about sunday school in our, in our covenant it says that we're going to meet together every time that we can it's a little more eloquent than that but you get the gist of it, it talks about participation and what about community groups wednesday night prayer meetings if you believe that fellowship with the saints is important, does that belief override what you might want to do outside of the gathering of the body? Another example might be, do you believe in prayer? Do you believe in prayer? We're talking about the nature of faith. When we mention prayer, do you believe that Almighty God, the Almighty God of the universe, listens and takes seriously Every single request that you bring to him, that you have his complete and undivided attention and that every single thing you ask for, he takes seriously. And that he will hear your cries from the throne room of his glory and that he will answer every request you make. And that you will never bring him a request that he feels is dumb. He may not grant it, but he has pity on us because he knows we are unwise. He may not give us the thing that we ask for. We may ask for a serpent unknowingly, but he would give us bread when we needed it. Do you actually believe that God hears your prayers? Then the follow-up is this. Do you then pray? Do you pray? Is your prayer time purposeful in meeting with the Lord so that you will not overlook it? And if you do not have a time of prayer where you believe that the almighty God of the universe is listening to your every request, how much do you actually believe in prayer? 
These are the sorts of questions we ought to be asking ourselves. Does that sort of belief in prayer, if your belief in prayer does not move you to pray, then is your belief even worth mentioning? Is it useless? Do you believe that God will deliver you through prayer? They will deliver those for whom you intercede? Do you intercede? What good is faith in prayer if it never leads you to pray? And here in this context, James begins by speaking of helping the poor, not in lip service like, go and be well fed, but go away from me and go do those things somewhere else. Go be well fed, be clothed, be sheltered, but not actually giving them what the body needs, food, clothes, and shelter. He has already said that true religion in the sight of God is helping orphans and widows in their distress. Do you believe that true religion in the sight of God is helping orphans and widows in their distress? And if you do believe it, what have you done to help orphans and widows in their distress? You see, we live in an age of big talk. There's big talk all the time. Internet activists join every cause that is the cause of the day. They say they care for the orphan, but have never considered how to actually care for one. They care for refugees, but have never bothered to write a senator about what they think the policy of accepting them should be, or how they should be cared for once they arrive on our shores. They are deeply concerned about politics, but cannot name their own two senators. They are troubled by the direction of their country and their town, but have never been to a council meeting nor ever even watched a Senate session on C-SPAN. Talk, 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 without words, is worthless. We don't need a faith that only talks. We need a faith that moves us to do things that cuts against the grain of the evil of this day. And if we are going to say we believe that true faithful religion in the sight of God is to care for orphans and widows in their distress, then we should actually do that. If we believe that it is important to care for those who are in the image of God who are poor and that they should be clothed and well-fed, then we should be seeking to do that. You're going to have to plan on how to do that. If there is an absence of that in this church, then who will be the one who helps us rectify this situation? Faith cannot be taught. And so today it, it's tempting to take this and say, hey, we've got all these ministries in the church that need filling. What are you doing? I, don't, I want those filled. But I'm more concerned about how do we take our faith out there to those who need to know the gospel, these issues that we know are in our city that have not even moved us to pray, much less seek how we could be part of the solution Faith cannot be all talk. And saving faith is not simple belief. And this is very important, and we need to be careful about how we talk about it. But I want to talk to you about experience someone in this church had once with their doctor about belief and faith. This particular individual had to go get a physical for their insurance. This person may or may not be me. I'm just telling you. So had to go get blood work done had to do all of these things and go and sit down with the doctor. And the doctor comes in and says, everything looks great. 
cholesterol is good, triglycerides are good, you're healthy, this looks wonderful. However, and that's a scary thing, the doctor says, however, however, you have a genetic marker that predisposes you for uh, bad cholesterol, and so we could start preemptively giving you cholesterol medication. Confused, the patient looked at the doctor and said, I thought you said everything looked great. It does. You just have this genetic marker. So then they ask, how common is this genetic marker? The doctor says, quite common, actually. And the patient said, do you have this genetic marker? The doctor said, yes, I, in fact, I do. Then the patient said, do you take cholesterol medication preemptively? The doctor said, no, I do not. The patient replied, well, when you feel that it is bad enough for you to start taking it preemptively, call me, and I will begin to do so also. This very wise patient sussed out <laughs> that the doctor did not actually believe that this genetic marker was that important. Simple belief puts action behind that faith. You can say that you believe all sorts of things. You can say that you are in a sinner in need of saving grace and yet never avail yourself to any of the grace which God offers to you. You can ask yourself now, if there's anything that you claim to believe, but your actions would attest that such a belief is very lukewarm at best, uh, James gives an example here of demons. Let's consider demonic theology. Ooh, that's not something we do every Sunday. But according to James, demonic theology is quite solid on the nature of God. If you think about it, they are instructors in the truth in some ways. They believe that God is one, and they are afraid of him. They have the fear of God, and they believe that he is one. And we know from the Gospels that not only do they believe this, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is coming to judge them, and that time is coming soon, and they will be powerless against it. So they believe that God is one. They believe Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, and they fear him. This faith helps them zero. None. So just because you say or even indeed believe these things, it's not changed you to where you live out a life of love for God. The question that James asks you this morning is, can this faith save you? Do you not see, O oh, senseless person, that faith without works is dead? What good would it have been if Abraham said he believed God, but when God called upon him for service, he refused? What good would it have been for Rahab to believe that the fear of God had fallen on everyone in Jericho, but yet when received the spies was not willing to take the risks to help them? That faith would not have saved her. A faith that does not work is a devil's faith. It is a faith that believes, continues to act only in self-interest. So saving faith cannot be all talk. And it cannot be simple belief and ascension to facts. It must move us to action. Saving faith must work. 
In John 15, 4, Jesus says, Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, unless you remain in me, neither can you. And so what Jesus is saying, if you are not in me, you will never bear fruit. But on the flip side of that, if we are in Christ, we will bear fruit or we will be energized by his Holy Spirit. If a branch remains in a vine, it will bear fruit. If it doesn't, it will be cut out and burned. Jesus says again in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Faith must work. Paul says it like this, We constantly thank God, because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. The word of God works effectively in you. So, if we have the saving faith we have received from God, it will work in us to produce the fruits of the Spirit and produce works of righteousness so what does saving faith look like? A kind of faith that is healthy that will grow fruit. It produces boldness and daring for the kingdom of God. The Bible says that the sluggard will not leave his house because he's afraid there might be a lion in the street. But the Bible says the righteous will be as bold as a lion. What does saving faith look like? According to James here, saving faith means taking your only son up to the top of Mount Moriah and being willing to kill him because God asked you to. And believing that if you do, because he is the son of promise, that God will raise him from the dead. Saving faith looks like looking at your son whom you're about to sacrifice and telling him that God himself will provide a sacrifice. Saving faith looks like being a prostitute inside the city of Jericho and when she sees the spies, she takes her chance, hides them at the peril of her own life because she believes that through this, her family might be saved. Saving faith is bold and takes risks. Saving faith means being willing to jump into the fire instead of bowing to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. That's what saving faith looks like. Saving faith means taking care of widows and orphans in their distress. Saving faith means taking foster children into your home when you don't have to. Saving faith means speaking the truth about marriage and divorce, even if it costs you a friend. Saving faith is doing what is difficult and unpopular instead of what is pragmatic and easy. Saving faith means putting your hope in the kingdom of Christ and not the kingdom of the USA. No one safeguards the rights which God has inalienably given you except for God. And no one can deprive you of them unless you let them. It may cost you your life, but they can't take away your freedom of worship. You are free to worship. Even under the most totalitarian totalitarian regime in the world you may worship Christ and pay the price that's what saving faith looks like but I want to be careful here because I, I hope that you've been examining your life and it may be the conviction of the Lord falls on you and you find yourself 
worrisomely absent of works of faith. I do not want to produce an anxiety that results in you volunteering for a hundred things when James's point is actually not that you need to increase your works. The question on the table is what kind of faith do you have? And the answer is, well, what kind of works do I have? Because that is the indication of what kind of faith you have. If you have a high fever and continue only to treat the fever, you may never get well. Because the underlying cause is not being treated. Your bacterial infection is being ignored for the sake of ibuprofen and lowering the fever. The bacteria can still run amok. So the works is the symptom. The cure is the faith. So what we should be looking at for an indication, if we see that our works are not where they should be, then we say, well, what is wrong with my faith? Am I looking to Christ alone? For my salvation. And that my only hope is him. And am I abiding in the vine? Is my relationship with Christ such that when I see his commandments. I want to do them even if I don't know how. But that I spend a lot of my time and mental energy. Figuring out how to be faithful to those commands. You cannot fix a dead faith by adding works to it. But you can fix dead works by revived faith. Christ is good to you. He is kind. He has given his life for you. And not only has he given his life for you, he's been raised from the dead for you. He intercedes for us right now. At this moment, he's interceding for you because he loves you. And because of this great love with which he has loved us, how can we not love him? We love him because he first loved us. And when we see his teaching, and he didn't just die for us and be raised from the dead for us, as glorious as that is, he also left us a teaching on how to live and what to do, how to treat people and how to long for the kingdom of God and how to behave as members of of the kingdom of God. Not so that we could just feel good about ourselves, but so that others could see the beauty of God in Christ. How are you living? And does your saving faith work? What is your biggest concern? Think about this. What is your biggest concern when you wake up in the morning? Getting through the day? Yeah, I get that. Trying to get through the day, just get through the work, get my work done, at my work, come home, wonder what we're having for supper. The biggest, most important conversation of the day. What are we having for supper tonight? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. You want to grill some chicken? No, it's cold. Is that like the biggest concerns in our mind? How can we help the church do better and be more for the community in which we live? I wonder how Chris Todd is doing. I want, some of you might be thinking, I wonder who Chris Todd is. He's a missionary to Lebanon. He's here in the States. I wonder how our other friends overseas are doing. I wonder how Pastor Joyce is doing this morning. I wonder if he's encouraged or discouraged. I wonder how I could help. I wonder how I could meet the needs of the people in this community. 
They did a documentary on our hometown called Meth Mountain. I wonder how we could help with that. Is there no hope for them? What about the people who come in here? Brother Brad said, people come in here, you're talking mad about it every week. We don't have money for food. How can we help them? This is the sort of thought that true faith should birth. And if it's not birthing these thoughts toward action, then we need to work on our faith. Maybe we've fallen asleep. Maybe we think we're okay. We've said the prayer. We've shook the hand. We've joined the church. We've showed up on Sunday. Community group even. Possibly Sunday school. I'm fine. But are you? Are you consumed with the worries of this present age? Are you consumed with the zeal of the kingdom of God? Where's your energy being spent? My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works, can that kind of faith save them? And the answer from James is no. That kind of faith cannot save you. So put feet to your faith and live in such a way that what you say you believe is actually how you live. And then your reward will be great in heaven. You will be a true child of Abraham, daughter of the king, a son of God. Our time here is short. So short. Invest your life in the works of the kingdom. Let's pray.